uh, going through this journey of the Bible called the story. And, and, and today uh, we come to a point uh, in Scripture where you could say it's one of the most holy moments of Scripture. But as we think back and we, and we look at the journey, because this is sort of a, this is a culmination of everything that Scripture has been talking about, everything that the Old Testament is pointing forward to, and that is the sacrifice of the Messiah. If you remember in Genesis, we started and we saw how God had created this, this beautiful uh, world, the creation, and he had created man to have relationship with him, and it didn't take long before Adam and Eve figured out how to mess it up. And yet, in the midst of that mess up, God promised that he was going to send someone to fix that mess. And as we journeyed on, as God was forming his people, we saw God interact with Abraham and promised to Abraham that he would make make him into a great nation. That he would bless all people through Abraham. And, and so we saw that prophecy. And, and then we move on to, to the time of Moses. And, and the children of Israel being in, in Egypt for 400 years. And yet, and yet God sends Moses to free the people. And, and we see the Passover. And, and how God provided a lamb. Uh, a way for them to come out of bondage. And, and, and go back to their nation of Israel. That has been promised to them. And then we see Israel still continuing to mess up. And we get to the time of the, the, of the prophets when, when, when Israel is far from God. But yet God continues to pursue them. And, and through the prophets, God prophesies that the Messiah is coming. And so for, for thousands of years, the children of Israel look, are looking forward to a Messiah, to one that would come and free them from this bondage that, that they are in. And then two weeks ago, we saw the Messiah coming, coming to earth, and yet almost everybody missed him. And people still today continue to miss him. And we've wrestled with some of, the, some of the hard sayings of Jesus. The fact that you must be born again. And we saw that. And, and some of the other hard things that Jesus said. And the fact that he is the son of God. And today we come to this moment in history that is maybe the most holy moment in all of history. This week as you read the story. You will read of, of, of Jesus' arrest. Of his trial. Of his crucifixion. Of his burial. You'll see Jesus wrestling in the garden of Gethsemane. And so what I want you to do this week. Is sometime during the week. I want you to, to sit down and take, take 30 minutes. And read Matthew chapters 26 through 28. Read it, step back, and consider the, 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 the gravity of this moment in history. Of what really was happening. You know, D.A. Carson said of, of this portion of scripture, he says, As Jesus' death was unique, so also was his anguish. Speaking of the Garden of Gethsemane, and our best response to it is hushed 
worship. So as you read Matthew chapter 26 through 28, take some time to be quiet and understand the magnitude of this moment. And take time to worship a holy God for providing for us a way to have relationship with him. I'd like for you to turn to to Matthew chapter 28. Or I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 26. Beginning at verse 27. A lot has happened up to this point. This is the last week of of Jesus' life on earth. Um, This is called sometimes the Holy Week. The final week of Jesus. And so, so this week, if you could get your Bibles, and many of your Bibles have, have the harmony of the Gospels, read, um, understand what was Jesus was going through on this final week. But here in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 27, and they are, the children, they, these Jesus' disciples are celebrating the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread and and, and so during this feast, and remember the Passover was to celebrate their release from bondage in Egypt. And the offering of, of the sacrificial lamb. And, and in the midst of this beautiful ceremony, Jesus said, it says, then he took the cup and he offered and he said, drink, drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of your sins. I tell you, you will not drink of the fruit of the wine from now until the day when you drink it anew from my father. From my father's kingdom. It says, then they sang a hymn. And they went out to the Mount of Olives. Jesus instituting the Lord's Supper. Something we're about to partake of here in a little bit. But, but I think there's some things that, that as believers we have to understand when we partake of this, of this communion celebration together. Sometimes I think we overlook the magnitude of the event that happened over 2,000 years ago. When we come up and we eat the bread and we drink the, we drink the juice. We forget what exactly we're celebrating. So I want us to understand that. And the first thing we have to understand when we come and celebrate this this morning is the holiness of God. Do we understand, do I understand the holiness of God? Because an understanding of God and and us as man in relation to God is critical To our understanding of the cross. In other words, I have to understand God's holiness. That because he is so holy and so pure. That sin can never enter his presence. Because I am a sinful man. I have no right on my own to enter the presence of a holy God. You see, in reality, I am an enemy of God. Because because I am a sinner. 
in and of myself because the Bible says we're all, we're all born into sin. So we have to understand this and we have to understand and so that we get to the point that Isaiah got to in Isaiah chapter 6. If you remember, Isaiah has this vision in the temple. He comes into, into an understanding and a realization of the holiness of God. And when Isaiah understands the holiness of God in, in Isaiah 6, this is his response and it should be our response. Isaiah said, woe is me. I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips, living among people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord. Lord Almighty. Isaiah understood the holiness of God and that in the presence of God, he was completely unclean. And so this morning, as we think of communion, understand first that, that, that we serve a holy God. Holiness is his character. And, and so understand that with me, first of all. He is righteous above all. He is right in all that he does. Genesis 18, 25 says, Will not the judge of all the earth do right? He is right. And in Psalm 145, verse 17, it says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving towards all he has made. So we have to understand his holiness and we have to understand that that within that holiness, he is completely righteous. Everything about him is righteous. He is totally right. And as fallen humanity, we despise that righteousness. Listen to what Romans 3 verse 10 says. As it is written, this is speaking of us, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. So Romans says, none of us are righteous, not even one of us. And so, so the fact that none of us is righteous, none of us can come into the presence of a righteous and holy God. That is, that is the reality. Because, you see, we are completely opposite of God. This righteous and holy God who has no wrong thoughts or no wrong deeds or no wrong motives. Nothing in him is wrong. Everything is right. I am the opposite. Because you see, I do wrong deeds. I, I have wrong motives. I, I say wrong things because I am sinful. That's the reality. And yet he is totally right. So we serve this righteous and holy God. Who also is just in all of his wrath. Now understand that with me. He is just in all of his wrath. And as we have looked, as we have, as we have journeyed through the Old Testament and we've seen God and, and we begin to understand his character, we've seen the wrath of God played out among sinful people. And what we have to understand is, is justice flows from God's righteousness. 
You see, he is, he is perfectly, perfectly righteous and perfectly loved, but he is also perfectly just. He is just in all of his wrath. His wrath is pure. And his wrath is loving. And for, for us as human beings, sometimes that's really, really hard for us to grasp. And the Old Testament, as we've seen, makes the wrath of God very real. And the way he, he confronts and deals with sinful people, we saw that. And we know that, that, that God's wrath isn't a mystery. It's not unpredictable. Evil is what provokes God's wrath. Now, stick with me here. Because, because there is good news. Actually, the fact, the fact that God doesn't put up with or deal with, with sinfulness is good news. But along with his holiness and his righteousness and his perfect wrath is also this thing that, that, that he is loving toward all of his creation. How do I know that? How can you say that a wrathful God is loving towards all of his creation? Well, John 33, 36 says that whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. You see, we don't have to experience the wrath of God if we accept what the Son of God has done on our behalf. That's what we're here to celebrate this morning, what the Son of God has done on our behalf, so that we don't have to to experience the wrath of God. That's what we're celebrating today. That's why we partake of the bread and the juice, is because we don't have to experience the wrath of a holy and righteous God. Now, there are three words that I want to to, to explain to you to help us to understand the magnitude of what Jesus did when he came to this earth to die for our sins. In Romans chapter, because in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, it says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, because we were in sin, Christ died for the ungodly. God sent his son to die for the unrighteous, to die for the unholy, so that one day we could enter into his presence. You see, that is called substitution. Substitution. Jesus died for our, he died our death. Because that's what all of us deserve is is death because we are unholy and unrighteous. We are sinful. And so all of us deserve death. And yet because of what Jesus did on the cross, he took that death upon himself so we wouldn't have to die. You see, without the cross, we are enemies of God. Do you understand that? Do you get that? We are, if you this morning are not a follower of Christ, if you've not accepted the work that was done on the cross that Jesus did, you are an enemy of God. And you will experience the wrath of God at some point. But because of what Jesus did, because he took our place, because he became our uh, death for us, we don't have to experience it. He is our substitute. 
And when we read Matthew chapter 26 through 28, we will see him dying in our place. And I think sometimes I miss that. Sometimes I don't understand the magnitude of what I'm celebrating when I partake of the bread and the wine. I'm, I'm celebrating the fact that, that he was my substitute. And we have to understand the significance here. And we have to see, going back to the Passover, do you remember what God did for the children of Israel at the Passover? He provided for them a sacrificial lamb. Do you remember the story that we read back in, in the book of Exodus? When the children of Israel, when they, were, when they were living in bondage, God sent Moses to deliver them. Then he told them, he said, look, on this night, you need to go get lambs, put them in your house and watch them for for three days. At the end of three days, take them, slaughter them, take their blood, put it on the doorposts of of your houses. And when I come to your house, the blood will cause me to pass over and to not exercise my wrath on your homes. You see how that points forward to to Jesus? Because you see, today, because of what Jesus did on the cross for me, his blood that was shed on the cross covers me from experiencing the wrath of God. And he passes over our sin. Have you experienced? Have you experienced the cleansing of Jesus? Because this morning we're celebrating that cleansing. Jesus said, my blood will be poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. He said, this is my blood. This is the blood of my covenant. I'm making you a promise here. That my blood will cover your sin. You see, before the cross... We were headed towards eternal death. You understand that? Before the cross, we were headed towards eternal death. But because of the cross, we now can experience eternal life. In the presence of a holy God forever and ever. That's good news. That's why we celebrate this morning. Because of his substitution for us. Taking our place. Taking our death that we deserve. Now there's another word that I want us to to think about. and, And it's the word propitiation. Which means Jesus endured our condemnation. You understand that? You understand how incredible the cross is and that Jesus was willing to take that upon himself to pay the price for you so that you would be found not guilty. And yet what, what I have to understand in this process of, of, of us not being guilty is, is it really costs Jesus everything. Jesus is the one that paid the price for me. 
And he paid an incredible price. He experienced the wrath of God himself. You know, when you read this week in in the book of Matthew, when you read the account of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, as you see Jesus wrestling, and at one point he says, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but... As you will. And when you look at the cup that Jesus is talking about, what is the cup? And I believe that the cup isn't primarily the physical suffering that Jesus took upon himself, but the spiritual suffering, the experiencing the wrath of God on him spiritually. You know, throughout the Old Testament, it, whenever it talks about the cup, oftentimes it talks about the cup being the wrath of God. And so, so what we see is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane giving himself up to experience the wrath of a holy God for us so that we could be found not guilty, so that we could have relationship with him. When we see Jesus troubled in the garden this week, Jesus was, he was about to experience this, this divine wrath from a holy God. He was about to experience separation from his holy father. You see, at the cross, God expresses the full judgment of sin upon his son. Your sin and my sin. You see, before the cross, we fear God or should fear God because we are objects of God's wrath, deserving nothing but condemnation before God. But because of the cross, we are a friend of God. So this morning we celebrate communion because we are now a friend of God because of what Jesus did on the cross, because he took our place, because he became sin for us. And that brought reconciliation. You see, Jesus suffered the separation that we don't, so that we don't have to. You see, on the cross, Jesus experienced separation from his father for the first and only time of his life, of all of eternity. He experienced separation that we deserve. Because we are sinful and unholy, we cannot enter into relationship. We cannot enter the presence of God. We are separated. There's this thing that separates us from God because of our unholiness, because of our sinfulness. But because of what Jesus did, because he experienced the separation for us, we don't have to. On the cross, you will see Jesus in anguish. You will see Jesus suffering. I don't believe at any time on the cross, Jesus is ever confused or doesn't understand what the Father is doing. 
He understood the moment he stepped foot on this earth what he was here to do. Yet not my will, but your will be done. If you want me to drink this cup of wrath, I will. For your sake and for the sake of your creation. See, the Bible says that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that we might become the righteousness of God. You understand how much he loves you? Loves you so much that he doesn't want you to continue for all of eternity to be, to be separated. He loved you so much that he made him who had no sin, he made his son sin for us. So that we might experience righteousness. We're here this morning to celebrate because the cross helps. The cross makes us righteous for all who trust Jesus. See, the Bible says that because of our sin, we were alienated from God. But because of the cross, we are now invited into his presence. Remember, during when Jesus died, on the, the moment he died on the cross, it says that, that, the, uh, that the curtain of the Holy of Holies was, was ripped in two so that we could now all enter the Holy of Holies because of the work done on the cross. The barrier separating man from God has been ripped away so we can experience him forever and ever and ever. Do you see why the cross is so significant? Do you see why the cross is essential, necessary for you to experience eternal life? You see why this celebration of the Lord's Supper is so incredible. Because we are experiencing, we are celebrating the fact that Jesus took sin. He took our place. He became sin for us so that we could be declared innocent. So that we could be in his presence forever and ever and ever. This holy God of the universe giving his son to die our death, to endure our condemnation, to suffer separation so that we can be declared righteous and welcomed into the presence of God. That is the good news of the cross. That is the good news of this celebration that we're about to partake of. See, because all of history revolves around this scene, these two chapters in the book of Matthew. And your life and your eternity are determined by your response this scene in history have you confessed him as Lord have you received the work that was done on the cross on your behalf I encourage you today embrace trust Jesus as your savior because when you do your sin will be taken away 
Your separation from God will be eliminated. You will be in his presence. Trust in the Savior. Surrender your heart to God. But this morning as we... As you think about... What we're about to, 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 to do... I hope this morning it is, is different, unlike any communion that you have ever experienced. I hope this morning you can, you can embrace what Jesus has done. I hope this morning when you, when you pick up that piece of bread and you eat it, it becomes more than just a piece of bread, but it becomes a reminder of what Christ has done for you. And because of that, you have relationship with him. When you, when you take that juice, I hope it becomes more just a down the hatch. But it's a reminder of, of the incredible gift of the shed blood of Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. My prayers that this morning would be the most special communion that you have ever celebrated. And I pray this morning that if there are some of you that, that have partaken of communion in the past without having known what Jesus did on the cross for you, that would become reality. That would resonate with your spirit. And he would say, Jesus, come. I want to, to receive forgiveness of my sin. I am a sinner. I pray this morning that you would confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And then you would come forward and you would celebrate your coming into the kingdom a partaking of bread and the wine. And I pray this morning that if you're sitting here and you've never heard this, that you've never experienced communion, that you would first experience Jesus where you're sitting. And then you would invite somebody to come with you to experience one of the greatest celebrations that the church the greatest celebration that the church has, and that is celebrating the death and burial, shedding of the blood of Christ for us. I hope this is an incredible experience this morning for you. What we're going to do is, is we're going to, to begin just with a time of, of reflection. You know, in, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, which is the, is the place we always turn to when we do communion, it says that, um, the Apostle Paul says, in these directives, I give you um, uh, no praises, for you meet together, you do, you do more, more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, you are, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe that. What Paul is doing, he's talking here about the church was getting ready to, to celebrate this beautiful event. And yet there was division among them. There, 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 there was disunity among them. He says, I don't want that. As this morning, as you're reflecting and as you're preparing yourself, make sure that in your heart you have unity with, with the people around you, with, with the people that, that, um, that are in your life, especially with the body of Christ. And then Paul says in verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed. It says he took the bread. And broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
that we're remembering the broken body of Christ. We're remembering what he did. And then he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. So this morning is about remembering what Jesus has done. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's, it's first of all receiving what Jesus has done and then celebrating what he's done. For those of us that are believers, it's remembering. It's remembering this incredible gift of eternal life. So we're just going to start playing some music. You sit there and you meditate and you reflect on what God is doing, how he's speaking to you. And then as you feel ready and you're prepared to come, come forward. If you want to come by yourself, that's great. If you want to come with your family, um, come up as families and celebrate. But as followers of Christ, we're commanded to celebrate this, to remember this. So as Christ followers come. I'm just going to start the music. Let me pray. Father. Thank you for the cross. Thank you, Lord, for the incredible gift. Thank you that your son took our place, became our substitute. And because of that, we have been declared innocent in your sight. That we don't have to experience the wrath of God, separation from God, but Thank you that we can enter your presence. That your spirit will be working and moving in our midst. Drawing men unto yourself. I pray that this celebration will be honoring and glorifying to you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.